And we are on. All righty. Okay, let me give it a quick, just half second pause so the editor can know where to start. Clear my throat. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, what is going on? Sleeper Nation. We are back with another legendary episode. So quick little backstory. I recently just quit my job. And I asked for a week buffer before I start my new one. And, you know, I felt great because I finally got a week off of vacation time that I haven't had in the past couple of years. And then all of a sudden, as I finally get my vacation, uh, I have COVID. So uh, that is the definition of an unlucky rubber ducky moment. But, hey, we're here. And, of course, I am alongside the number one Australian analyst, Sheehan. How are you doing over there? I'm good, man. I tell you what, someone had to get COVID. There's nothing going on in the NFL this week. I thought it had gone away, but uh, <laughs> clearly it's still affecting some people in the Bay Area. Yeah. So um, it is unfortunate, but luckily I have uh, gotten my shots. I haven't gotten the booster shot yet because I, I think there's still like a six month window delay where I have to wait. So I was never eligible in order to get it, but uh, I am pretty thankful that I did have them. So uh, the symptoms haven't been too serious, but of course, you know, enough about me. We have some Titan legendary guests among us. Uh, not the Titans, the Tennessee Titans. That was unfortunate. We'll discuss that later. Um, that was definitely a disappointing moment. But, of course, we are alongside from the 32-bit and NFL.com. We have Marcus Grant and Michael F. Florio. Man, how are you guys doing over there? I'm good. Just chilling, man. It's a, it's a balmy 65 degrees in Los Angeles. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> I, I'm glad you said it, Marcus, because I had the heat pump in today. Like, I was freezing. <laughs> You're the native New Yorker. Like, what's happening here? I've lost all of it. And now the thing is, I put the heat up way too high that my house is very hot now. So there's no winning for me today. God. That explains the uh, Mac from Always Sunny look there. <laughs> <laughs> I also, I, I never get to show off my tattoo. So I was like, hey, this is a good time to do it. <laughs> Whenever I see somebody with tattoos, I get jealous because I would love to have a sleeve. I could just never think of an idea. <laughs> I I did this one and I was like, I'm good for a while. And it's like four months later and I'm like, hmm, I still have this whole arm available. So how, how do you come up with ideas? That's what I've always wanted to know. Um, it's hard. So like I... I didn't expect to be talking about this. Um, oh, for this one, I knew I wanted a sleeve. I knew the color I wanted, and I knew like the general idea. And I just got super lucky that I found an artist who was not only really creative, but willing to like bounce ideas off of me and tell me what will work and what wouldn't. And like he drew, he I told him the idea, he ran with it and drew it all on his own. So my advice to you would be uh, find an artist that you really like and kind of just work with them. Okay, that's actually really good advice. But of course, also alongside us, also from 32 Bit and Fantasy Pros, Pat Fitzmorris, a returning guest. How are you doing over there? I'm doing great, Natter. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, it, it was minus nine when I took the dog out for a walk at, at 730 yeah. this morning here in the Chicago suburb. So I'm, one of these years, maybe I've got to move somewhere warm and find out if I would go soft like Florio as soon as it got <laughs> to be 65 degrees. Because that would be kind quickly. of funny. <laughs> it has to so I, I know mike's you know he's he's dealt with the cold weather growing up so he knows all about that but like do you really does your body change that fast when you relocate where all of a sudden it's 65 and you're reaching for the sweater mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, it happens fast 
<laughs> so so when Robbie Gold kicked that game game winning field goal to take <sighs> out the Packers, was there satisfaction inside? No, man. I mean, I'm a Packers fan, so there was oh, not okay. satisfaction good. inside. Good. There was good. quite the opposite. Um, yeah, In Chicago? I mean, you, oh yeah, no, I'm I'm behind enemy lines here, man. Oh, I'm a God. I'm a Packers fan. I grew up in Milwaukee, so um, no, good. I'm glad. Yeah, it was definitely the opposite of satisfaction. Um, <laughs> I just like all season long, I kind of had this bad feeling special teams were gonna bite us in the ass eventually, you know. And it it happened. Like getting two kicks blocked in a game, you lose by three. It's just tough. But you know, could have done more on offense. Uh, it's nice to get that sort of defensive performance and uh, to have it wasted was kind of depressing. No, it wasn't. It was great. <laughs> it, it was great for someone on this panel, not just, I mean, just not Pat. No, yeah. <laughs> that's good enough for me. As long as I'm satisfied, that's all that really matters. So, of course, you mentioned walking out your dog today. Funny story. My uh, older brother, he adopted a dog for the first time ever. Um, and he took it out for a walk and it ran away from him It jumped over a couple fences and it took him about four or five hours in order to find the dog. And, um, when you mentioned it, that completely reminded me of it and it happened just the other day. So I thought that was funny. It does sound miserable, but I thought it was a little bit funny to happen to him. Um, because, of course, we have that humor where we just make fun of each other on a consistent basis. So uh, watching his misery is definitely satisfaction. Just like how I was watching uh, or listening to Pat's misery about the Packers is very satisfying. Uh, <laughs> and of course, you know, that's just me and how I work. But, of course, on today's show, we are going to be talking about some people not to forget about, especially in the fantasy community, to look forward to next year in your drafts to trade for and all that good stuff. And then, of course, we're going to be deep diving into the NFC or both AFC and NFC championship games. Those are going to be huge, set to be phenomenal games. Of course, we got the rivalry rivalry between the Rams and the Niners. And then we got what should be a phenomenal performance of the young quarterbacks and Joey Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. And, of course, we're probably going to talk about everything that's happened in between, like Pat's infamous Aaron Rodgers and uh, the Packers and where potentially Jimmy Garoppolo can go and all that good stuff. But of course, I do want to remind everybody to check out the Sleeper Wire show on Twitter. Chuck us a few dollars on the Patreon to get into the Patreon network so you can make sure you never miss on any articles, podcasts, live shows with our awesome team. And of course, led by Sheehan. Other than that, Sheehan, do you have anything else to add for that? That's perfect, man. Okay. So I have a small hypothetical. Everybody knows I love hypotheticals. And um, to make sure it's football related and that is appropriate for the show, uh, I decided to steer it towards now the Packers and Mr. Pat Fitzmorris over here. And I wanted to ask him, what is more likely to happen that Aaron Rodgers leaves for jeopardy or that he would be uh, the star of the Fast and Furious movie? So I got to go with I got to go with jeopardy. Uh, you know, it seemed like he, he liked that gig, although, uh, you know, now with his sort of anti-vax stance, I don't know if he would be as popular a selection as maybe he would have been back when he was in the guest phase and getting his trial run there. Like, I know a lot of people thought he was pretty good, but, um, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with Jeopardy just cause, uh, Jeopardy. I already kind of linked there. Okay. What about you, Marcus? Yeah, I think I'm gonna go Jeopardy too. Um, although here's the thing, I, I think 
I think for a game show host, I don't know that he's completely right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think he's a funny guy, but I think he's also very deadpan, which doesn't necessarily easily translate to uh, to being a, like a cheesy, corny game show host. But I think he did a pretty good job with it. Um, I feel like the last time we saw him sort of on screen in a fictional role, wasn't he getting like lit up by a dragon in Game of Thrones? Um, did we confirm that that was him actually in that that episode of Game of Thrones where he got the like? lit on fire i think there, there was some debate so i don't know but but i'm gonna go jeopardy uh to be honest i'm too scared to watch game of thrones i can't handle gory stuff oh. so so that's <laughs> it's just not me i can't do it michael what about you i i'm i was originally gonna say jeopardy but marcus's answer made me change mine because aaron Rodgers already has experience fighting like dragons and there's rumors that the next fast and the furious movie they want to bring in dinosaurs so i just think that like <laughs> That's a match made in heaven right there. Yeah, who, who knew racing cars somehow changes to saving the world and going to outer I mean, space and now dinosaurs? They were like, they were street racers when yeah. this whole franchise started. Now yeah. they are going on like super secret, like CIA type missions. And like, there's talk that they may go to space too. I'm like, this is a, it's a far cry from like racing cars in the middle of the night in San Bernardino, right? <laughs> not only not only do they go to space in the last movie, Ludacris builds the spaceship out of like spare car parts or whatever. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Who needs NASA when you have? <laughs> I'm I'm not sure how that's possible. I don't know. The, the problem is, is it entertaining? Because I don't really watch Fast and Furious movies either. Yeah, so they are. They are entertaining. I guess that's so. all that really matters. They're entertaining I mean, because they, they've leaned into what they are. Like they don't. They make no bones about it. Like they know it's just sort of mindless entertainment, and they're just as, as over the top as possible. So like the fact that they've leaned into it means that you can just turn your brain off and just you know enjoy them for what they are. Okay. I think they were entertaining until the last like two and then it's just like they became superheroes and to me it's like this is even way too much now. <laughs> All right. So I do want to kind of circle back to Aaron Rodgers and I've kind of had this internal discussion with a couple of friends of mine and we think that it is a good thing that I mean it's not a good thing but we are glad that Aaron Rodgers has kind of taken on this role of being hated by everybody in the NFL. And we think it is good for the NFL that he is hated on because uh, we, we compared him to people like uh, like WWE wrestlers that are hated by the crowd and Jake Paul. People love to hate on Jake Paul and Aaron Rodgers has kind of taken on that role. And it makes NFL entertaining because we kind of realize that there's no personality in the NFL right now. And the most entertaining that we get in an interview was probably Bill Belichick's onto Cincinnati moments where, you know, interviews are kind of bland now. And now with Aaron Rodgers kind of taking on this kind of evil role, it's made it a little bit more entertaining to watch, especially because now a lot of people are kind of revolving or kind of coming together around the, the fact that we want to watch Aaron Rodgers lose. And realistically, other than him, I don't think there's any type of character like that in the NFL. You guys agree? Um. I mean, only because Antonio Brown's not actually on the <laughs> yes. roster right now. Um, I think I think that's sort of it. But you're right. I mean, there aren't there aren't. But even even with Rogers, like it's different, right? It's not like I mean, you talk about the you know, Jake Paul or, or any WWE guys. Like you're sort of playing a role and you're playing up to it. Like I don't necessarily think he's playing into it. Like I mean, he's talking about things he believes. Now a lot of people disagree with him and they tell him that. Um, but I don't feel like he's necessarily like trying to be a heel. Antonio Brown's like the closest thing we have to like an actual wrestling heel. I mean, like, dude literally took his shirt off and ran off the field. Like, I don't know how you <laughs> that. 
So and then, he, and then he posted a meme when they lost. I thought that was, <laughs> right. so, I thought that was great. That's kind of it, you know. <laughs> I, I think, oh, oh I, I was I was gonna say I think uh, Brady leaving the Patriots broke up the like the big heel that we all had to root against in the NFL. Uh, Rogers isn't fun to root against because Rogers does like Marcus said he doesn't lean into it. Like he's not like you guys want to root against me. I'm still out here winning MVP. Like. Like, if he was embracing the heel-ness about him, I would be more down for it. But then he comes out and he's like, well, everyone root against me because of how I feel. And it's like, all right, you're, you're taking all the fun out of it. <laughs> yeah, Florio's got it right, I think. Like, it could have been an interesting late career heel turn, kind of a Hulk Hogan going to the NWO thing. But, uh, yeah, Rogers, he needs to lean into it more. And, uh, you know, like – we gotta we gotta pick the right team for him to go to if he's gonna leave Green Bay. Like, where would he make the best heel? Uh, I would mm-hmm. go with Steelers. I'd say Pittsburgh. <laughs> I was yeah. say, you know, it won't happen, but New England, I think, uh, is a oh, oh yeah. that's a good one too. Yeah, it wouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll take in, the, him. in the beginning of the year, I said that Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we, we kind of throwing hot takes out in the beginning of the year. I said that Aaron Rodgers would be a Las Vegas Raider by the start of next year. Um, I think. I think it's not that hard, uh, not far off of a hot take anymore. But I think the way Derek Carr has played, I think that's earned him another year at least as the quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm not sure the Raiders are the villains that people, well, that Raiders fans want people to believe they are anymore. They're sort of like lovable rogues. They think they're sort of the badasses in the black hole, but it kind of everyone was kind of rooting for the Raiders, I think. It's it's hard to be villains when you're not like you have to win a little bit. Like you know, the Raiders are fine; <laughs> they're competitive. You know, obviously that you look know, they they made the playoffs this year, and like you know, they had a really good season under the circumstances they played under. Right? I mean, I I can't think of a team that went through as much in season as the Raiders did, and they still got to the playoffs, and that's that's great. But they're not part of the reason they were the villains like back in the seventies and, and eighties is because they were winning all the time, and so it was easy to hate them. And they you know they. They wore pirates on their helmets and they acted like pirates on and off the field. Like it was easy to hate them. Like now you're right. They're sort of like they're underdogs and like Raider fans like to fight, but like the Raiders themselves are they're, they're sort of, they're, they're kind of easy to root for. I mean, unless you're like a chiefs or a chargers fan or something, you know? Well, if that's going to be the case, then I guess. I, so do you guys think Aaron Rodgers stays? No, no, no. A quick team prediction. No. Leaning against, and I, I would, I guess, I don't know. There's been the most smoke coming out of Denver, so I suppose that would be the first. And I think, like, they could probably give Green Bay the most attractive return because they have some interesting young players, uh, you know, maybe send back, like, one of those young receivers, send us back Jerry Judy and, and Albert O and, uh, you know, Draymond Jones on the defensive line. Like, that and a couple of draft picks I've seen thrown out as a possible package. So that might make a lot of sense. That's that's asking for a lot for Aaron Rodgers. Do you think he's worth it? Uh, I think if you're starved for a quarterback, I think if you ask Broncos fans right now, they would be willing to pay that price. Like, yeah, it is a steep price. And I think a lot of Packer fans right now who are, you know, like me, kind of ready to just let's, you know, rip off the Band-Aid. Let's start this rebuild and you know i don't know if it's like even a full rebuild because really we would then be like denver where kind of the only thing missing is the quarterback but um 
I think if you have been without a quarterback for long enough and you feel like you're close enough with the rest of the infrastructure, uh, you would think a deal like that is worth it. I would see the Saints as being one of the most aggressive teams trying to go out and get a quarterback, like either Jimmy Garoppolo or Aaron Rodgers. I, I, I know it's easy to say. That's a big that. gap, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is a big gap. It's a pretty big well, gap between Jimmy yeah, G and Aaron Rodgers. We'll see, see, the counter argument to that is, is Jimmy G is better than Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. So uh, that's all that really matters at that point. Uh, Debo Samuel is better than Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. Jimmy probably G is there. Jimmy G is undefeated in the playoffs in games where he doesn't throw a touchdown. It, exactly. It's remarkable. It's great. Like, he is, you know, uh, I, you know, if you guys watch Blue Mountain State, uh, he mm-hmm. is literally Alex Marone. He is the definition of Alex Marone. He was Alex Marone as a person, and he is right now. He just gets by, does enough, and he just parties the whole time. And the, you know what? I love it. I'm I'm there for every minute of it. Um, but I will say that I think a lot of teams are going to go for Jimmy Garoppolo rather than Aaron Rodgers because of the cost. I know there's a huge talent difference, supposedly, in the regular season, but uh, I don't know if they can afford stuff like that. I mean, somebody's going to do it. Somebody's going to put an offer out there. Um, and it very well may be Denver because I think the Broncos do feel like that is that is the one thing holding them back. Defensively, they're fine. I think they've got good young pass catchers. They've got good running backs. Um, they're just missing the quarterback. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody, you know, puts together a, a huge package and, like, throws the house at, at Green Bay. No, whether or not they make the move, you know, that depends to be seen. But somebody's going to put together a, a good package for them. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it is easy to say – Go ahead, Michael. I was going to say, to your point, maybe it's the Raiders. Maybe it's Derek Carr plus more for Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a good fit, especially because, well, see, I would say that Devontae Adams would follow, but that it, would mean... Apparently, see? They're, they're toying with the idea of like being a package duo in a trade. But if Derek Carr is super good friends with Devontae saying, Adams... Do you, re- do you reunite the Fresno State guys and have them uh, you know, run it back? Uh huh. So I mean, maybe there'd be like a trade, maybe a first rounder plus a quarterback swap, and then Devonte Adams stays in Green Bay because, of course, he'd be and, playing with his best friend. And Jordan Love just continues to uh, to sit out, which he should. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for it. So I mean, it's easy to rip the bandaid off and say, okay, let's just move on from one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL until you turn into the Saints, where you have to replace one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And chances are you can't because it's incredibly difficult to find one. It's incredibly difficult to find an average quarterback. And it's even harder to find a really, really good quarterback. And um, I think the Packers should do anything in their power to keep Aaron Rodgers because, I mean, you yeah, you have to replace him. And that is incredibly difficult. The Saints are going to wheel out any number of ham and eggers uh, next season because they're just too far over the cap. And they've been playing... The, the game for too long with salary cap turned off. It's about to be turned back on and they're not going to be able to afford Aaron Rodgers. They're going to be able to afford his equal uh, Jimmy Garoppolo in uh, in your eyes. So they're going to have like Ian Book and, you know, other cheap assets because they're 75 million over the cap. They're not going to have a coach. I think they're going to sit on their hands for a year and hope that Sean Payton comes back with a number one draft pick. If the Rams can do it, the Saints can do it. I don't know. We'll see. But all right. So let's let's put the side off. Of the- 
let's put this aside for all the talk for a little bit and then let's move on to some fantasy football talk so of course we have this nice little segment a little don't you forget about me um see the problem is this would be a lot more entertaining of a segment if i actually watched the breakfast club i never watched it so i just know the song but surprised you got the reference yeah well yeah, I, I know actually, from, honestly i've actually never seen it either <laughs> I know it from memes. That's how I know the song. Other than that, I, I that, that, that's about it. So, of course, we're going to name a couple players that you don't want to forget about leading on to next season. And I know, Pat, you have a couple of nice names here. I would like you to go over them. Yeah, one was Aaron Rodgers. I think we've covered him already. I, I proposed him as a guy I figured we'd want to talk about. So I think we've touched on him pretty thoroughly. But um, the other one, and I, I don't think anyone's going to forget about him after the game he had last week, is Gabriel Davis. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to be front of mind for a lot of people. And, and where do we value him for next year? This guy who, um, on one hand, didn't really pop until late in the season and has this just crazy transcendent performance in the playoffs against the, the Chiefs. Um, but, you know, like maybe – some people are going to overvalue him. Some people are going to be reluctant thinking he's a one game wonder, but it's an, an interesting path he's taken as sort of this guy who uh, produced well as a very young player uh, in college at uh, UCF and, and um, you know, was like playing against older, older players and uh, holding his own more than holding his own. And then kind of has this slow, slow burn slow build is a uh as a pro with buffalo and you know like kind of buried behind manny sanders early in the season but like finally getting his his turn in the sun like late in the year and just like really starting to take off so i'm pretty excited about him like i think he's um if i had to, to value him i'd say sort of a mid-range wide receiver three i think he's going to be like going somewhere between like you know 27th and 33rd among receivers in, in drafts next year. And, uh, you know, maybe around the same spot where like Adam Thielen is going and it feels like two guys uh, passing on elevators headed in the opposite direction. But I think they're going to be at about the same point in drafts next year. So I was kind of curious to see how you guys value him after what we saw on Sunday. Well, Let's see. I think it, I think I saw a statistic. If Gabriel Davis plays 70 percent of the snaps, he either averages a hundred yards or a touchdown. And I mean, of course, it held true this year, especially during the playoffs time, and it even held true last year as well. Uh, last year in the playoffs, he also had I think a touchdown in every playoff game. So uh, the the question isn't the talent; it's the opportunities for him, and he's kind of buried behind a depth chart, kind of like somebody like, uh, I believe, Terrace Marshall. He's kind of a good receiver, but buried behind a depth chart. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping the Bills find a way to force him in the starting lineup and force him onto the field because he's kind of a talent that deserves it at this point. Well, I don't think he's going to be that buried on the depth chart, though. And I, I think that's a reason. And looking at, I guess, like, Florio can probably speak to this more because he's the, the Bills fan here. But, you know, yeah, Cole Beasley will still be around there for another year. Stefan Diggs will obviously be there for another year. But, um, you know, Emmanuel Sanders, you know, who's had a really good career, 
He's also sort of at the tail end of it. And he, the reason we saw more of Davis is because Samuel uh, Sanders sort of faded away. And so I, I don't think he's going to be buried as much on top of it. Josh Allen really has learned to spread the ball around where, you know, at first year he kind of had tunnel vision for Stefan Diggs. He's getting the ball out to more guys now. And so I, I, I'm sort of with Pat. I think he kind of slots into where Adam Thielen once was. Uh, I think Thielen falls off a little bit, but uh, I think I think Gabe Davis is absolutely ascending, and not not just because of what happened uh, this past week, but I think you kind of take in totality that last month, six weeks of the season, um, and I think that that does a lot for his value. Yeah, and, and to I was going to say to Marcus's point, uh, I believe Man, Emmanuel Sanders is a free agent. I think they signed him to just a one-year deal. Isaiah McKenzie's a free agent. I, I think they'll bring him back. But the Bills came out today and said, don't expect us to make a lot of big splashes in free agency this year. So I'm thinking they kind of view Gabriel Davis as their wide receiver, the outside wide receiver two, opposite of Stephon Diggs of the future. And to be honest, the biggest head scratcher as a Bills fan all year was like, why is this guy playing behind Emmanuel Sanders? Because I think we all would agree at this point, he is the better player of the two. I would have to agree with that. I do think he is the much better receiver than Emmanuel Sanders. There was a fair bit of uh, hype around him breaking out this year, uh, coming off. He, he finished his uh, rookie season quite strongly. I think he had four or five touchdowns over the his last month or so of the season last year. And he basically mirrored that this year, went from not getting any targets uh, over the first six or seven weeks to to really kicking ass in the, in the back half. I think he's going to be horribly overdrafted um, I think we're going to see him go. He, I think he's going to have a nice season, but I think you're going to have to p- basically buy him at his premium uh, in draft season. Certainly, if you have him in dynasty, you it's like holding Bitcoin at the moment. Um, well, <laughs> it's better than holding Bitcoin at the moment because Davis's value is going up. Um, <laughs> Don't say it's allowed. <laughs> I uh, I traded him uh, away before the weekend's games, and I think I probably could have got both of us as children. <laughs> or at least two, uh, if I if I'd held on to him, so you, you can't deny two hundred yards and four touchdowns. But I think you're right, uh, Pat, that he is kind of in that wide receiver three range. But you're going to be paying mostly a wide receiver two price for him when he rolls around. So definitely one to keep an eye on. But I can't see them replacing, well, finding someone else to put ahead of him on the depth chart. So. He's going to be out there. Um, it's going to be up to him to make the most of that opportunity. And certainly that's an offense you want pieces of, at least at the moment. Um, I, I think they're going to see some shake up in this this coaching carousel season, though. So what's interesting is that um, it's not really interesting. I, I'd It'd probably could be considered a hot take at this point. But if I was offered Gabriel Davis straight up for Rashad Bateman, I'd probably hit accept. I don't know if yeah. that is a hot take. I don't think it's a hot take. I mean, considering that just the, the two styles of offense is there, I don't think that's wild. Mm-hmm. I know Rashad Bateman has had a lot of hype coming into his rookie season, which which definitely isn't, which definitely was lackluster, I think, compared to what people expected. And I, I feel like I feel like Bateman's ceiling is significantly capped compared to the offense, while Gabriel Davis just kind of. So, sky's the limit it feels like i'm gonna i'm gonna raise my hand here and i okay. guess because i i feel like i was sort of the outlier on rashad bateman i know everybody was like huge on him. i'm like yeah i'm sure he's really talented but like the ravens don't throw the ball enough to support multiple pass catchers right no. like they just don't and, and that was the thing i kind of looked at i'm like well if everybody loves marquise brown and we know mark andrews is good 
that sort of seems like the limit on on supportable pass catchers in that Ravens offense. So I could just never really get behind Rashad Bateman being a thing. I wanted him to. I think he's a talented player. I just don't think he's in a good situation. And as long as he's in Baltimore, as long as that offense looks the way it has looked, um, I mean, I think you, you know you, you kind of are gonna you know get what you get with Rashad Bateman. That's that you know yeah. and he's not at his ceiling, but he's not far. He might have to deal with Antonio Brown too. Oh, I've heard of that one. I heard of that one. So, I mean, realistically, I think Rashad Bateman's stat line, I think best case scenario is about five catches, 80 yards, and a touchdown. I think that is his ceiling stat line when it comes to Baltimore. And I feel like that's just not good enough if that's going to be your elite wide receiver one. I mean, I'll go to bat for Bateman. Like, I I loved him, like, being up here in Big Ten country. And and even though he, you know, I'm a Wisconsin guy and he played for the hated Minnesota Gophers. Like, I found it hard to dislike the guy. Just I don't think he has any weaknesses in his game. I think he's pretty good at everything, you know, route running, after the catch, point of catch, um, can play inside or outside. I guess the issue is for me, and and this is kind of getting back to what Marcus said about, um, you know, a limited passing game and uh, you know, Mark Andrews, not only being a good tight end, but turning into just this superstar this year, really Um, like that's, that's kind of the obstacle. I think Mark Andrews is going to be the number one pass catcher in Baltimore next year. And um, you know, it's going to be supporting roles for, for the wide receivers. And I think like Bateman can play a good supporting uh, role, but what is that worth in fantasy wide receiver three wide receiver four um you know it might be kind of a slow burn with him in his career and, and we might not see him take off until the circumstances change a little bit for him and the problem is is i don't see the circumstances changing unless they change quarterbacks and I, that's not happening either they need to change offensive coordinators that's probably not happening either at this point so i i just don't see circumstances changing anytime soon it makes him not necessarily a non-NFL relevant receiver, just not a fantasy relevant receiver, in my opinion. But of course, we have Mike's. I like your list a lot. I like your two names. I'd like you to talk about them. <laughs> uh, I'm a Bills fan. I, you guys know that, but I'm going to talk about two Jets here. Um, Michael Carter and Elijah Moore. Like, Do not forget about these two. And the reason I, I decided to go with them is because both were like pretty touted rookies we know they're talented but they weren't like the high-end upper echelon rookies of their class and then they flashed like they showed that they could play at the nfl level elijah moore had a stretch in the middle of the season where he was a i believe it was a top five wide receiver michael carter was looking like a at the worst an rb2 and in fact michael carter he is the sixth best missed tackles force per 10th rate of all running backs since 2014 in in this past season so both of these players showed to me that they could play at a high level at the NFL level, but they only did it for a short period of time because they they got they both suffered injuries and they both did it on a pretty terrible offense. And I don't I, I mean, it's possible the Jets are as bad as they were this year, but I don't think that offense could get any worse than it was this past season. So you add in more seasoning for those guys. Hopefully they stay healthy. We already know they have the talent and could play. So I think both of those are going to be players that I target a good amount in in my drafts next year because I don't think either one is going to be super expensive to get on your team. When I saw uh, Carter play at the Senior Bowl last year, he was the standout player on the field. He wasn't um, wasn't MVP, but he looked amazing. Uh, he jumped off when I was watching. Um, uh, would have been Diami Brown tape because he was at NC State at the same time. 
looked amazing, was the most explosive player on their offense. And then Elijah Moore was my wide receiver two in that class last year. So it broke my heart when they both went to the Jets. Um, but I'm a massive fan of Moore. And I think really Braxton Berrios is the only player staying uh, standing between him and fantasy relevance um, if they continue to pepper Ber- uh, Berrios with targets. But I think I said this last year, Pat, I'm not sure it was the show you were on with Pat Curran or whether it was with um, Jake Seeley, but my comp for Moore was basically Antonio Brown, if he has that kind of manic work ethic, or in college as well, I felt Lionel Messi in that he was brilliant but not interested if he wasn't the key focus of the play. So when he was out there for the Jets, he was actually like looked interested to be out there, wanted to be running around, wanting to be part of the play, and he's a guy that I am really going to be targeting in those mid to late rounds and hoping he might be potentially a, a fringe wide receiver one, if he really gets a connection with Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. Now in, in my rookie draft for dynasty, I was, I believe the eighth pick. And during that pick, I had the option of having uh, Rashad Bateman, Jalen Waddle and Trey Sermon. Uh, and I went, no hesitation. I went Elijah Moore. Uh, I skipped on all of them, and I really wanted Elijah Moore. I think he's probably uh, probably has the highest ceiling, in my opinion, out of all the receivers, especially where the offense that he went to being a LaFleur, Shanahan prototype offense. So, I mean, I think that's phenomenal. I think everybody should be trying to go out and draft Elijah Moore in the redraft leagues, and uh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, um, she and I think that was the podcast with uh, me and Pat Corain where you were talking about him because now I remember the messy reference. Uh, and I wish I had listened to you because I think I drafted Rondale Moore ahead of Elijah Moore in my uh, you know, my most important <laughs> dynasty rookie draft. But um, I'm, I'm really glad Florio brought up Carter too because I like, I don't know, it, it seems like he is going to be undervalued in drafts next year. I don't know if people are going to, and maybe it's just because he missed the time and, and didn't put up the, the crazy counting stats, but um, it just like every time he played and I got to watch him, like I was impressed by his elusiveness and his run catch versatility. And I know, you know, the, the catches were maybe overinflated by that. Uh, those couple of games he played with Mike white, who pretty much wanted to dump off uh, every time he dropped back, but still, Carter just looked fabulous. And, uh, you know, like they, the Jets, when he was healthy, were giving him like workhorse type duty. So uh, I look forward to seeing more of that. And I think I'm going to have Carter on a lot of my teams next year. Oh, yeah. Marcus Grant, do you have a closing statement? Uh, no, other than I, I sort of agree with everything there. I am, um, I will admit that when it came to the Carolina backs, I was definitely more on the Javante side than Michael Carter, but I sort of liked what he could be. Uh, you know, knowing where you would get him in drafts. I also, you know, like I, I went into the season saying I'm intrigued by the Jets offense, uh, knowing that it might potentially bite me in the ass. And, you know, I, I think for the most part, though, you kind of got what you expected from those guys. And so um, if everything gets better next year, if Zach Wilson can progress and stay healthy next year, I do think that uh, one or both of those guys will end up being very productive. And, you know, look, depending on how how crazy we are about wide receivers, uh, also, keeping in mind that we tend to go a little bit nuts when the rookies get drafted, too. Uh, you know, that might knock Elijah more down. It might make him a little bit more of a value on draft day. Mm-hmm. What I would be looking for for the Jets is how heavy they go on the offensive line. I feel like if they don't add weapons, but they draft offensive line, I feel like that would give me the assurance and reinforcement to really go out and say, hey, we got to go and invest and go out and draft these 
uh, wide receivers on the Jets, especially the running backs. But all right, Marcus Grant, you have a nice list, an interesting list. Let's hear it from him. Yeah, I got a couple of guys who we had big expectations for that we never got to see this past year, unfortunately, because of injuries. Um, I think they're kind of in similar situations. Travis Etienne, uh, who missed his entire rookie season, and J.K. Dobbins, who missed his entire sophomore season because of injuries. And I, I looked at Etienne, and I thought coming into last year that you know, at least my hope was that he and James Robinson could be some, you know, 2.0 or light version of what the Browns have done successfully with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, that one is sort of the more traditional between the tackles runner, one is more of the pass catching back, and that they could somehow coexist and both be relevant for fantasy. That was one before uh, ATN got hurt. And two, before we realized that Urban Meyer was going to be, uh, to quote Jake Tapper, uh, a hot mess inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. Um, but, you know, the the Urban Meyer part is now out of the picture, right? But we still saw what James Robinson was able to do last year. He was kind of the only bright spot, really, on a week-to-week basis for that offense. So I don't think he's going away. But I think the next part is to try to figure out how to plug ETN into this offense. Um, similarly, J.K. Dobbins, right? I mean, there were big expectations for him last year before he gets hurt in a preseason game, misses the entire season, and then unfortunately, like not long thereafter, Gus Edwards goes down and completely throws that Baltimore running game for a loop. And credit to them. I mean, look, the, you know, count, can't, never count out a John Harbaugh team, right? They will figure out ways to be competitive and productive. But I'm very interested to see what happens with Dobbins now that he's back and hopefully healthy uh, as part of a team that still wants to run the football. No matter how much they tell us every year they're going to throw the ball, we know that they are still pretty much a run-based offense. Um, But I think the hard part is trying to figure out where to value these guys, especially ETN, right? Because we haven't seen him at all and don't know how he fits and there's a new coaching staff. So there are so many unknowns going on in Jacksonville. Um, It's a little bit more of a known quantity in Baltimore, but it's still, you know, out of sight, out of mind for a year makes it hard to sort of value these guys, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited about their upside about what they can bring. Um, But right now I will tell you that for me, at least it's very hard to figure out how to value these guys when it comes to drafts. I think the issue is with Travis Etienne is that he might turn into uh, what's that other receiver's name? Like, I don't even want to say his name. Vizca Chenault. Vizca Chenault. Don't, don't, that's just, that's, <laughs> my, heart, my heart is breaking all over again. He, he, he's he who must not be named anymore. Like, I don't want to hear his name anymore on this. Like, it's not it. his fault. It, it, it doesn't matter. It's not his fault. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I don't, I don't want to hear his voice. His name mentioned. He's he who must not be named. And I, I feel like because he was considered a Swiss army knife who kind of do it all a little bit, uh, a, Walmart version of Debo Samuel, if you will, uh, that Travis Etienne might kind of fall into that category where they don't know where to put him and he just kind of does nothing. And I mean, J- James Robinson's probably a better runner. And I think that organization has got so much backlash for not using him at all that they're kind of forced to kind of put him in, especially the way that uh, the quarterback always kind of said, hey, we need to give him the ball. We need to give him the ball. I need to give him the ball to to put that puts them in an awkward situation where they don't necessarily know what to do with him. Well, I mean, I think he's I think ETN's going to be they're going to trash this idea that Urban Meyer had that he was going to be playing this uh, Percy Harvin role. I think hopefully whoever comes in is going to use him as a more traditional running back. And, um, you know, just as far as the the Robinson thing, like, I mean, and, and Robinson is a, a guy I totally love and have on a lot of my dynasty teams, but 
it's very possible he does not have the Cam Akers superhero recovery and winds up starting the season on pop or something. And then ATN's got a pretty clear runway uh, to start his, his NFL career. Even, even if, say, Robinson doesn't start on the pup, right? Like, he's – it's going to be a new offense, a new coaching staff in place. He's going to actually be behind ETN all summer long coming into this year. So, while last year I was kind of on the – before ETN got hurt, I was on the James Robinson side solely because he was a few rounds cheaper. I'm, I'm starting to come around on ETN and thinking that he, he could be the, the running back that gets the bulk of the work early on, and then he could run away with the job because we know how explosive he is. And plus – like Pat said, I know Cam Akers is looking great, but an Achilles injury used to be a career ender for a lot of running backs. So I'm not quite ready to say James Robinson is going to just bounce back like Cam Akers did. Yeah, I think, I, think that's yeah. A, uh, I think that's a really good point. I think absolute best case scenario for James Robinson is we basically see a repeat of what happened in Denver this year where you have a vertical guy and a more exciting guy. They both kind of split touches. Neither of them are predictably fantasy relevant. And we sort of end up none the wiser and one of them gets squeezed out. So I think ETN fits our model, Nata, of you just pick the cheapest guy. And that worked out this year with netting Debo Samuel and Cooper Cup. So, I mean, if you have no better evidence than just that, then obviously ETN's the guy. Dobbins, on the other hand, though, give me all day because those Ravens running backs were productive and they were like plugging in guys off the street. I know they kind of cycled through them a bit, but Dobbins is better than all of them. There's still going to be a run first offense. They're still going to have uh, Lamar Jackson there. So give me, give me Dobbins. I think he's a, a, a running back one that you could probably get for the price of a, a running back two, three. Hmm. I think a lot of people are going to be afraid of JK Dobbins. And if you're able to just kind of take advantage of that fear, uh, then you're going to be able to sneak yourself a very fantasy relevant running back for the low. Uh, I think I want to compare him a little bit to Leonard Fournette because Leonard Fournette's, I think, ADP last year was seventh to eighth round. And if you drafted him, you got first to second round value out of him, especially in PPR leagues, the way he had, I think it was 400 receiving yards. All right. So, Sheehan, you have probably the most intriguing list out of everybody. Oh, thank you. Uh, you don't just have to say that because um, we're on the show every week. <laughs> sorry. sorry. Uh, <laughs> so my first one is Michael Thomas. And I think he's a guy that is really easy to forget about unless you've been looking at him on your dynasty roster or in your IR slot in redraft all year. Um, the last time we saw him play meaningful football, uh, he led the league in catches in consecutive seasons. He is going to be 29 next season. Coming off a year off, I think that's really good news. The Saints really don't gain anything in terms of cap mobility by cutting him or trading him. I think they end up about $2 million better either way, but he's a uh, much more of a handful. So I really don't think he's going to be in New Orleans. I, I honestly think they're going to be blowing it up. He was the wide receiver 28 this year. Uh, currently the wide receiver 28 consensus dynasty rankings on Fantasy Pros. Um, I expect him in redraft to go in sort of the 85 to 100 range, which is probably the the wide receiver 35 to 40. If he goes somewhere intriguing, he might get a bit of a bump. Uh, but that's where we saw like the likes of Brandon Cooks, Jarvis Landry go this year. Uh, and I think after basically disappointing people who've drafted him for the past two seasons, that's about where we'll find him. I still think he has elite traits. He's still that 
got the attitude you want to see uh, in in your wide receivers. Uh, and I think if you pair him with a decent quarterback, um, then then the sky's the limit. I've the three options I've got down. Maybe Cleveland, if they are, well, they're going to be in the market for a wide receiver, whether he'd want to go there, whether they'd want to take on that handful. Maybe he wants to stay in the NFC South, ends up in Atlanta. I don't know if the Saints would want to trade him in division, but um, a, a guy who I was going to, to talk about here, but basically a lot of my points were going to be the same as uh, Calvin Ridley, I think will be somewhere new next year. Uh, and the Chargers have a hell of a lot of cap space that um, he might be inclined to... Um, Let's say give a bit more effort uh, on a on a team that's a bit better. Yeah, you you talked about the effort, and uh, I almost think he would be best off going to a place with a um, strong head coach, someplace like New England, um, where uh, I see you shaking your head, Sheen. But I mean, <laughs> you. like you know, guys who we've seen some guys who have uh, you know been kind of loose cannons on their teams go to new England and sort of fall in line and, and, you know, uh, get in line with everyone else pulling on the oars. Uh, and I, I think maybe Thomas needs a place like that or the Ravens or something, although we've you know already talked about there not being enough balls for Rashad Bateman, but, um, it, it just seems like, like he might be best off going to that team with, uh, you know, the, the established structure, uh, rather than going someplace like, the Raiders or something who might have a need for him, but um, you know, who knows how things are going to go as far as personalities. Yeah. He fits with that kind of Steelers throw the Steelers in that conversation too, uh, as a place he could go with, you know, a good, strong head coach. Um, I'm not expecting Juju to be back next year. So that opens up potentially a, a slot role for him. If that's what he wants, if he wants to continue being oh, slant man. boy, he can so, work out the slot again. So um, we'd have Deontay Thomas and Claypool with uh, Mason Rudolph distributing the ball. I mean, those three. It, would, it, would <laughs> at least, it would at least help Mason Rudolph a little bit. Right. I mean, you know, like he goes from being meh to like, eh, you know, so like, <laughs> um, but that, that I think would be an interesting potential landing spot. Do you mean Aaron Rodgers? Kansas City. No, I, I hope that doesn't happen, but <laughs> they can always use a wide receiver too. Oh, God. Kansas City. That'd be – no, I don't want to imagine that. I'm good. That's I mean, a wild, that is a wild yet true statement, right, that we're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, like one of the most feared offenses in the league right now, and you're like, they could use a wide receiver too, and you're like, yeah, they actually, actually could. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Josh Gordon was inactive the other day, like – Oh, <laughs> so, so still not I, quite over it. No. <laughs> so I, I do think he does need a strong head coach, but more importantly, I think he needs a strong wide receiver one across from him. I think that's a little bit, maybe more important to him. I think, I, I think that's where kind of his struggles began. I know statistically he has done well when there isn't a, when Julio Jones was not there. But I do think that is a little bit of an issue. We're talking about Michael Thomas, not Calvin Ridley. Oh, sorry. I was on the Calvin Ridley train. Sorry. <laughs> That's right. COVID yeah. brain. Yeah, I, COVID um, brain. I think Thomas needs to be the one to stay in that kind of discussion is that he wants to be the one. He needs to be the one. And a team like New England, uh, like the Raiders, like whoever Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be, can be perfect because they're going to force him the ball 10 times a game and he wants to be the 10 target a game. I'm the big man in town. You can't guard me. Uh, can't guard me. Um, look how good I am sort of player. 
he needs a support man across him right? and someone who's not going to outshine him. So wherever that landing spot is, but yeah, you're right. He would be a great fit for the chiefs, but I, I think there's too many stars outshining him uh, in the red there. My other player is um, the purple goblin KJ Osborne uh, finished wide receiver 38 this year, 50 catches, 655 yards, seven touchdowns. Seven games with double-figure points between weeks 13 and 17. He had four games with better than 12.5 points in half-point PPR. Adam Thielen, if he is not on his last legs, then he is certainly on his last leg. Um, as disappointing as that is, the wheels have seemed to have kind of fallen off. He, you know, Father Time catches up with all of us, I suppose. And Osborne is likely to be that number two receiver. Jefferson is going to get all the attention, rightly so, uh, because he's a brilliant player. But KJ Osborne working out of the slot, perfect for Kirk Cousins, um, racking up a lot of targets, and uh, he's he's really good after the catch. Um, and I, I feel like he's an easy play to forget because he started out really strongly in the um, the early part of the season. He had a blow up performance, I think, in week one, two, or three. But as though it's it's not like he was Hunter Renfro who you're putting in your starting lineup at the back end of the season. He was scoring points, but he wasn't playoff relevant. So it's easy to forget him. And yet he's going to be basically the third piece in what should be a, a decent offense in likely a, well, with likely a more aggressive head coach than, uh, than Mike Zimmer. I guess my it's only true. question is who's the quarterback? Yeah, I was just about to ask that. That's, that's the only thing I want to know is who's, who's going to be the quarterback. Can, can that person support uh, three wide receivers? Also knowing that, you know, you've got to get the ball to a healthy Dalvin Cook, you know, a certain number amount of times a game. That, that I think to me is, is kind of the driving factor about how I feel about KJ Osborne. Kirk Cousins is much maligned, and rightly so. Um, but he's supported – well, last year supported two relevant wide receivers, and Cook had a pretty good year. Um, as I say, even with Thielen out, Osborne got his his feed. And it, it is going to be Cousins, I think, there. Um, I think he's just too expensive to move on from uh, for them, at least this season, isn't he? he's going to be expensive, but at the same time, you have to replace him with somebody. And I, I just don't think there's a good replacement. Do you? <laughs> like, I mean, you, you still have to win. I mean, you don't necessarily have to win. You can kind of tank a little bit. Right. But, but I mean, I think the point is, and, and Florio and I have talked about this on our pod a few times, is that there are going to be, a, there are a lot of teams that are sort of in quarterback limbo that like don't necessarily love their guy, but you look around and you're like, well, who can we get, you know, without just breaking the bank? That is as good or better, and so I think. Like I think the Vikings are there. I think the Browns are there. Um, I mean, you go, the, the Raiders may be there. There are a lot of teams where it's like we we don't really love our guy, but you know, can we can we easily and and you know frugally or, or you know responsibly bring in somebody else that's going to be better? And I think you know, I think that's I think that a lot of teams are going to end up sticking with their guy not because they love him. You know, it's it's you know, love the one you're with, or figure out how to love the one you're with. I think I think they have to at this point. I mean, uh, the same with the Niners right now. They don't necessarily know what to do with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think right now everybody's saying, oh, they're going to trade him this offseason, which is probably true. But if he makes a deep playoff run, or at least I said if he makes a deep playoff run, which it looks like he has, then I think they, the Niners organization, has to make like a serious consider, uh, a serious thought that. Is Trey Lance significantly better than Jimmy Garoppolo? And if not, then 
maybe they should stick with Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, you don't think Trey Lance's ceiling is higher than Jimmy Garoppolo's? It is, but is it right now? No, it's not. If 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 Trey Lance was to put a Colin Kaepernick jersey on, you'd never be able to tell the difference between the two. I mean, you're not going to play him obviously this weekend or in a Super Bowl if they get that far. But you know, you get this dude an Next offseason year. to work. It is, which is true, which I think they should be evaluating. If if throughout this offseason, unless Trey Lance significantly becomes better than Jimmy Garoppolo, they should not trade him. Also, I'm just going to say it again. Jimmy G is undefeated in playoff games. He does not throw a touchdown. <laughs> exactly. like, it's, it's, and Niners success doesn't equate to Jimmy G being good. I think it's the opposite. That's such a weird needle to thread. Like, hey, we need you to somehow not throw a touchdown, but also <laughs> not the uh, – not completely take our legs out from under us in four quarters. <laughs> but he does. That's why I say he's literally Alex Moran. He just does a perfect job of just being mediocre. Uh, that is interesting. I, I think that statistic is fun. And I think this offseason is going to be fun because a lot of quarterbacks need to be moved or might be moved. And a lot of teams need one as well. And they're probably not willing to draft one either. But of course, uh, I did have a list. But for the sake of time, I'm just going to mention their names and I'm just going to move on. And it was going to be Raheem Morris and it was going to be Calvin Ridley, but I guess that got stolen from me. So we're just going to move on. Drafting Raheem Morris, the uh, defense. Is he defensive? I mean, sorry, Raheem Mostar. Sorry, Raheem (laughs) Mostar. Sorry, sorry. COVID brain. COVID brain. All right. Use that excuse one more time. I I got one more chance at it. So, all right, let's move on (laughs) to the conference games or the championship game. Sorry. One more time. And then we'll move on from the show. Cause of course we don't want to keep you guys for too long. So Sheehan, I'll let you start off. Cool. So we're going to give all of you a minute to tell us who's going to win each game and why that's one minute in total. Usually we do this is the two minute drill, uh, but with so many of us. So Natty, you're in charge of timing and time uh, Pat kick us off. Tell us who's going to win this weekend. And uh, at the end, give us your bold prediction uh, for the weekend. Uh-huh. Uh, so, so let me, let me get the timer ready. Sure. And while I do that, let me remind you guys that a minute is a long time. I don't care what any girls ever told you. And so be sure to <laughs> be ready to 13 seconds talk. is long enough. I've been Sorry, told Mark. 13 seconds. And that's how I found out this weekend. All right. So the timer starts now. I think we're going to get the better game in the uh, AFC. Like I, I think like as weird as the Bengals have been this season, having that like inexplicable blowout loss to uh, the, the Browns in early November. Like, I think they're going to hang. I think it's going to be 30 to 27 chiefs with the Harrison Butker winning uh, field goal, winning it late. And uh, you know, Burroughs going to have a fantastic game in the NFC, man. I just think the 49ers have the Rams number. And uh, like this 49ers team was the one above all I feared as a Packers fan. And of course we got them right away and uh, you know, went out against them. And uh, you know, I think they're going to win this one. Uh, I think this one's going to be a little lower scoring, maybe something like 23, 16. And for a bold prediction, I'll say uh, Nick Bosa has three or four sacks in that game. All righty. So, Hey, you made 54 seconds, which is pretty good. Actually. That's close. That's close. All right, Marcus, you ready? Sure, let's do it. All right, start. All right, well, I think the Chiefs are going to figure out a way to win this one in the AFC. I know that, you know, they, they took a loss to the, the Bengals late in the season. I think they kind of figure out what went wrong in that one and sort of make it happen. I do think it's going to be a, a kind of a shootout, a quarterback uh, 
showcase. I, I have the uh, the Chiefs winning that one, 27 uh, to 24. I think in the NFC, it's going to be equally close. I got the Niners a lower scoring, I guess. I don't know, 23, 21, if you want to call it that. Uh, it's weird because I've picked against the 49ers the first two weeks and they've won. Now I feel like they can actually win this week. And so I'm worried about what that actually means for them. Uh, but I do think they just, like, like Pat said, they just have Sean McVay's number. And my bold prediction is that they win a game. And Jimmy Garoppolo actually throws two touchdown passes in it. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's that's too far. That's, too far. that's making that's, a mockery of the second. I know. <laughs> that's terrible. That's forty-five seconds, so not quite as close, but close <laughs> all right, Floria, you're on the clock now. All right. Well, I'm picking the Chiefs in the AFC. I think the AFC will be the better game of the two. Uh, I think Joe Burrow has a really good game, but I don't think Joe Burrow and the Bengals are better than Josh Allen and the Bills, and we saw what just happened last week with them in Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he's the Grim Reaper now, right? Like, that's what we're calling him. So mm-hmm. I, I think that he is once again going to make it to a third straight Super Bowl. And then in the NFC, I agree with Pat and Marcus. I think it'll be a lower-scoring game. Uh, I, I'm thinking somewhere in, like, you know, like the 24-21 range, something like that. But I think it'll be the Rams on top. I'm believing in Sean McVay. He's 0 for 6 in his last six games against Kyle Shanahan. I think something has to give. I also just think the Rams are the more all-around talented team. Uh, and I, for a bold prediction, I'm thinking uh, I'm thinking Matt. It's not that bold to say Matt Stafford throws three touchdowns. I'll go with Debo Samuel does not score a touchdown in this game for the first time maybe in forever. I know that's that's real spicy, but uh, – the Rams are going to, I think, do everything they can to try to keep that guy in check. The, the amount of times that the Rams have talked trash about Debo Samuel and then not been able to stop him, uh, I, I think at this point they're just going to throw the whole team at him and just hope somebody else beats him. Uh, not a bad plan. Not a bad strategy. It really he is. is the whole team. It feels that way. It feels that way. So, Sheehan, have you gone yet? No, you haven't. No, not yet. Sorry. No, not yet. Uh, We're going to ignore me, so you, you'll be the last one at this point. Excellent. Well, you, I assume you're going to pick the Niners anyway. Maybe. We don't um, by the way, uh, you, you mentioned the, the Grim Reaper there, Florio. Who do we who do we have to write at Pro Football Reference to get that listed under his nicknames? Because it's not on his page right now. It should already be there. There are some that like I've never heard. Like I've never heard anybody call him the musician, or oh, haven't what? you? Pat, Pat the musician. No, that's like <laughs> like, like <laughs> Showtime or Magic Man. Like Never I, heard I that. Really, yeah, um, Fatrick. I, 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 you know, like <laughs> what? Like these are all the list of all the nicknames: Showtime, Magic Man, the musician, Fatrick, the gunslinger, or Mahome Boy. Those are all the nicknames listed for him. The one that I hear most for him is Mahomey, and that one's yeah. not even on there. Yeah. No. Yeah, go you know look up certain players and they have nicknames for them on, on like, pro football reference. No, Tom, no one's Tom called Tom Brady, Brady the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh. <laughs> Tom Brady has some I've certainly never heard of, but uh yeah. Uh... Maybe Andy Reid would be somewhere with the word fat in it. <laughs> but not Mahomes. That doesn't make all right. You know what? People there was that uh, Monday night game where Booger was pushing Showtime Mahomes. And uh, I, I don't know. I'm glad that never caught on. Anyway, so I actually think the Bengals are going to win uh, simply because everyone else picked the Chiefs. And if I was on a another NFL property, I'd have to wear a stupid wolf's head in hell. Um, but <laughs> I, I honestly think um, the magic of the Bengals, this is not scientific at all, is going to carry them through. Um, we've seen what they've been able to do. Burrow has been living a charmed life. And the Chiefs are a totally different prospect they will be hoping that they are just as gassed uh, after 
planning for Buffalo and, and having to go into overtime as they, they possibly could be. Um, but I'm, I'm expecting maybe Chase takes the top off that defense uh, once or twice and it's um, they just get home. Maybe they just hold them off. And I've got the Niners, um, Shanahan, maintaining his streak over McVay. McVay just getting angrier and angrier and angrier <laughs> and uh, more and more pictures of, of him in his pool on draft day and all of that, that sort of fun. I really just want two upsets uh, because I want a replay of Super Bowl 16. Um, we'll come to that just afterwards. But um, my pre- bold prediction is that both Hill and Chase um, outperform the Niners passing game Ooh. in terms Ooh. of yards and touchdowns. So, so Jamar Chase out, uh, out, out gains the whole Niners. So Chase does yes. and Hill does, and they both score more touchdowns than the uh, – than the Niners passing off. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo's going to throw for zero touchdowns. I was going to say, you have them each catching one touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, that's, not, that's, that's not a hot take. Come on. Chase anyway, had I'm... 266 and three the last time he went against the Chiefs. So if he does that, I'm pretty sure he will finish ahead of Jimmy G. It's doable. It's and, doable. And he, that's puts some, uh, he puts some silverware on people's uh, fantasy fingers. So um, I think maybe that's why I'm, uh, I'm warm and fuzzy about Chase. And I'm going to to throw an open question without notice to all of you here, even Nata, believe it or not. Okay. Um, so if we do get a replay of Super Bowl 16, that was uh, the Niners of Bengals famous uh, for that overused anecdote of Joe Montana seeing John Candy in the crowd. And uh, correction, that was Super Bowl 23. They've actually played God. twice. Fake news. Yeah. There, there we go. I uh, Wikipedia lied to me, like Pro yeah. Football Reference did about people's nicknames. <laughs> so we're going to see a replay of that Super Bowl twenty three. Um, this time, one of the quarterbacks leading their team down the field. Who do they see in the crowd to inspire them? Uh, I'm trying to think of something like really stupid, but it still work. I'll go Johnny. Yeah. No, it's not gonna be Joe Name. I'm trying to think of like a, it's gonna be like a YouTube star that like half of us have never even heard of or something. I was gonna say like E40 for like Jimmy G. He's, <laughs> exactly. he's the first Bay Area yeah. guy I thought of. Curry, <laughs> born star that he went out with for a while. Okay, yeah, I, that that would definitely inspire me. All right, it seems right. like Will Ferrell always shows up at the big football games, right? And this one's mm-hmm. gonna be in SoCal. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Justin Bieber. Hey, isn't there Justin Bieber over there? Yeah. I think he's in LA. It, so, go I feel like it's also Drake. Drake always likes to uh, insert himself into big sports moments. Uh, for no reason. <laughs> I agree if with that, that one. If Drake, if Drake picks your team, you probably are going to lose. Like, yeah. You know, I think the only time it worked is when like his his actual hometown team, the Toronto, Toronto Raptors, actually won a championship. But I feel like every other time it goes the, the wrong way for him. Yeah, I'm a Milwaukee Bucks fan, so I've had enough of Drake. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm sure if you guys uh, follow baseball, um, especially during playoffs time, they get the the Marlins guy who wears the orange jacket. Marlins man, yeah. yeah, yeah. If I was to see him in the crowd, I would definitely feel inspired. Would you? <laughs> would you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd feel the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're going to well, agree to disagree on that one. Before, before well, we sign E40, off, I... we're hanging out, I think, at a Giants World Series game. Like, he was sitting next to, to E40 uh, behind home plate. 
for one of the Giants, like World Series or playoff games or something once upon a time. He, he, he somehow finds a way to find every playoff game and somehow manages to make it through all of them. I think that's impressive. All right. So, I mean, of course, I'm going to say I want the Bengals to win just because I don't want the Niners to see the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, it's still the same old sorry ass Rams as uh, our fan base would love to say. So, of course, I'm going to take the Niners on that one. And uh, we're going to see a three time Niners versus Bengals Super Bowl. That's what that's what I want to see. And uh, hopefully the Niners could finally uh, not lose during my lifetime and uh, I get to see them win a Super Bowl. But other than that, Sheehan, looks like you have some wise words of wisdom. Yeah, I've got, I'm introducing this new segment because it's the off-season. We have a lot on. of guests. Yes. That's my segment. I didn't have another name for it, and I'm quite okay. tired. So okay. until <laughs> until we come up with a better name for it, and maybe this can be our, our workshopping uh, over the off-season, is that we've got so many guests on, and I want to ask them all the same question. Uh, and that's if you have one piece of advice to make our listeners all, uh, I think both of Nada's parents listen and one of mine does. So making those three people better fantasy football players, what would it be? Start with that. I'll put them all on right, I'll, first. I'll say um, during the season, people look at matchups. I think people overrate uh defensive matchups as a factor in, in setting lineups. I think people get too, uh, too scared by tough defenses and, and their eyes get too wide when they see like bottom tier defenses. And I think volume is King pay attention to volume over defensive matchup. That's fair. I could buy that. Michael. Uh, mine would be avoid the echo chamber that is fantasy Twitter all summer long. Oh like God. find a couple of analysts <laughs> that you trust and you know, and you love and, and listen to them, do your own research. But man, I, it happened to me many a times where like I was talked into a player or talked out of a player. And then you feel awful when that happens, when you listen to other people and not yourself. Like I, if I get one wrong, I got one wrong. But if I felt I was right about it and then someone else convinced me to do the opposite, I hate that. So the fantasy, the echo chamber, it, it could, uh, it, it goes all summer long, and it, it, you know, kind of makes every player have the same opinion on a player. You could take advantage of that if you differentiate a little bit. I'm gonna have to agree with that one, and uh, mm-hmm. my tip was probably gonna be somewhere just around that spot, Mr. Marcus. Uh, yeah, actually, Florio sort of dug into what I was going to say, so I, w- I will pivot uh, a little bit. I will say it's it's okay to take a break. I don't, I know. It hurts us as content creators, but in the middle of the summer, like when there's nothing actually happening, it's fine to kind of step away a little bit. But, but I think my biggest piece of advice is um, remember as much as you think a guy is talented, a lot of times the situation he is in really plays a bigger part. And we talked about Rashad Bateman uh, as kind of one example there. Um, You know, I I think you look at uh, Trevor Lawrence, who was the greatest quarterback uh, talent in a generation um, but in fantasy, he was outscored by Mac Jones, who I don't think we do, nobody believes is as talented, but he was in a better situation. So, um, just remember that when you know when the NFL draft happens and that that college player you love goes somewhere, um, no matter how talented you think he is, if he's the fourth wide receiver on the depth chart, um, you know, maybe think twice before reaching for him in your draft. So, just, just remember talent is great. Uh, the situation he's in probably means a little bit more. 100%. I'm gonna. Fully agree on that one. I think my tip is uh, if you see a hype train, 
for a specific player, do a 180, and go the opposite. Especially when they tell you to draft somebody like Antonio Gibson, uh, Bateman, Terrence Marshall, and um, probably CEH as well. This is your one and only warning. I'm not having you turn this segment into uh-huh. just a soapbox for you to uh-huh. name and shame players you don't like. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, that's it. But like, but in general, like if you see a hype train for a specific person, just, just do a 180 because like it's it never works out. I don't think I've ever seen a Twitter hype train for a specific player workout. That can't be true. I mean, can you name one? I know a, a couple years ago, the Chiefs backup running back, fourth stringer. Uh, I, mean, I, I forgot Williams? his name. No, I mean, not Damian like, Williams. There was, a, there was a Najee Harris hype train that worked out. Yeah, but I mean, he it's a situation that he went into. You know, there was nobody behind him. And we've seen the backup running backs behind him get their shot and do absolutely nothing with it. I I think to your point, if you see instead of whatever the opposite of a hype train is, if you see all of Twitter like piling on a player, aka Jamar Chase last summer, and it leads to like an ADP dip, that's when I think you should definitely be buying because you're just getting it at a cheaper price because everyone else seemingly hates him. That one I will agree with. So it was Darwin Thompson. That's his name. I remember there was oh, a huge hype train gosh. for Darwin Thompson. And I think on the depth chart, he was number four. But somehow, somehow he was going to become RB1 and uh, lead everybody heart. to victory. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember that. Two weeks in a row we've had Darwin Thompson talk. It really I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's almost as bad as he who must not must not be named. But of course, hey, we're going to wrap up this episode at the hour mark. I think uh, I think we did good time. I think we did good. Is that right? Yeah. Thank you. So, of course, Pat, can you let everybody know where they can find you? Yeah, uh, I am over at Fantasy Pros, and you can find my podcast, Fits on Fantasy, uh, wherever podcasts are available. And on Twitter, I am at Fitz underscore FF. All right. Make sure to hit that follow for him. What about you, Mr. Grant? Uh, yeah, most of the stuff you can find via Twitter at Marcus G, M-A-R-C-A-S-G. Uh, I do a podcast. Might have heard me and the Florio together a couple times a week, so you can uh, do that. I'm also on the TikTok because I'm trying to keep up with the kids. Um, <laughs> so you can follow me on TikTok. It's my full name, Marcus Grant. Uh, so you can. Uh, I think I. I think I actually created a Marcus G, but I don't remember the login for it, so it just sits there and does nothing. So I do everything on the Marcus Grant <laughs> handle now. There we go. All right, now, Mister Florio. Uh, the same as Marcus, the, the NFL fantasy podcast, NFL.com for any written work. But I, I agree. Twitter is the best spot at Michael F. Florio. Trying to be more active on Instagram as well. So at Michael F. Florio there. And my goal this offseason is to, uh, like Marcus, be active on TikTok. I want to learn it. I want to really build it up. Someone stole my handle. So there I'm at Michael F. Florio NFL. <laughs> You've not been able to negotiate with that guy yet? The negotiations broke off with that guy? He won't pay. So, so I wouldn't, so Marcus knows, but on our podcast, he was like, you're going to make a TikTok. I was like, you know what? I will. And I checked, I was like, my handle's still available. A couple hours later, my handle was not available. And I messaged <laughs> the guy. He wanted me to pay. I said no. And then I tried negotiating with him and like offering him merch or something like that. And he has not answered me in like four months. So I think that he just completely forgot about it. And now I'm sitting here with a, with an account that has to have a different handle because of this guy. <laughs> I respect it. You know, it's like that guy, like the, the group of uh, people that stole all the Washington football team's names. And they said, hey, you better pay us <laughs> if you want to use the name. I respect it. 
anything to make a dollar, right? TikTok. I respect it a lot man. more when it's not done to me. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is true. All right. Well, uh, Sheehan, let everybody know. Yep. As always, I am at Sheehan Solo on Twitter. Uh, you can see all of the awesome stuff we do at Sleeper Wire, all of the awesome stuff we do at 32-Bit, and um, just my sort of vague rambling opinions. Um, if, if that's of interest to you, you can certainly find me there. Uh, I'm not on TikTok. Um, here's a fun anecdote from my life, Nata. Uh, I have to deal with TikTok for work. Um, and in a meeting with TikTok, they asked me if I had TikTok and I told them it was um, perhaps the dumbest thing that I've ever seen. And uh, <laughs> they responded pretty warmly, but they also wanted our business and it's quite a large account. So, you know, it swings and roundabouts. I imagine I'll get there at some point, but no, until then, just um, just Twitter will be fine. Thanks. Yeah. It makes you feel any better. Like when I first saw TikTok, I'm like, this is the dumbest thing ever. And now I'm like, I've been assimilated. So it happens. <laughs> resist as long as i can my (laughs) biggest flex is that i've never downloaded tiktok that is my biggest flex to date like my 27 years of life that is my biggest flex i've never downloaded tiktok um i don't know if that's sad or not but it is what it is at this point so of course uh you can follow my twitter at top tier tactics underscore uh please don't follow actually i don't want you guys to follow uh i'll just get canceled real fast uh other than that hey good luck everybody